I have come here to chew bubblegum and podcast. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm giving you a choice. Either listen to this podcast. Or start eating that trash can. Indeed. All right. So should we should we get started? Launch. Yes. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Take Me to Your Reader, a Pavement Pounders podcast. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are the Pavement Pounders. We are running buddies who enjoy science fiction film and books, and we like to come together and talk about both. Take Me to Your Reader is the podcast where we discuss adapted science fiction at its best and worst, which means we take generally what's a well-known film that is derived from an earlier written work, and we read that written work and we watch the movie, and we watch remakes and reboots and readaptations if they're there, and we talk about all of it. So this time, we have another sort of first. Um, in our previous episode, we talked about The Fly, and the well-known film, at least to us, was the 1986 The Fly, which happened during our lifetime, where the previous two episodes, we talked about things that predated us, yeah. um, at least the originals did. So, but last time, we did have that 1986 film, but we also had a 1958 predecessor film, and so we talked about all of it, where this time, we don't have any remakes to talk about. The well-known film was All There Is, along with the short story on which it's based, which well, is 8 o'clock in the morning. And the comic book. We did, yes, actually, we did look at a comic book as well. More like a comic strip. And I, I did find a website just this morning that says there's going to be a 2013-2014 remake of They Live. Right, and we definitely what? need to double back to that. Sayeth, what? Yeah. Toward the, toward the end of the show, we need to talk about what, what do we want to see from that remake. So 1988, right. They Live, a John Carpenter film starring Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Quite a famous one in terms of like the one-liners and stuff out of it. Kind of a cult classic, I think. Definitely. Interesting thing is that it didn't do all that well at the box office. I mean, like two weekends in a row it was number one, and then it just dropped off the planet. But we always lead off talking about the book or the short story. In this case, we have a short story, which is 8 o'clock in the morning by Ray Nelson. And I will put a link to a place you can read it online in the show notes. And so at this point, I do have to say, if you haven't read the story, we're probably going to spoil it. If you haven't seen the movie, we're probably right. going to spoil it. So I would encourage you to at least go read the story because it will really take seriously 15 minutes to read because it's that short. I think in the book that we have, the real future book, it's like four and a half pages. About that. Yeah. yeah hardly any time at all. It might take it's 15 minutes if you're reading it out loud slow to another person. Less than that if you're reading it to yourself yeah, in yeah. your mind. <laughs> although, although we don't recommend it as, you know, good night reading for your children. But hey, maybe your wife right. or significant <laughs> other would be interested in being read too. <laughs> Maybe you like to kind of end on a downer and then, good night, kids, love you. Um, <laughs> facilitate nightmares. Well, my, my wife had read it to me just before we watched the movie last week. She read it she out loud, read it out loud yeah, to you? Yeah, she read it out loud Her to me. Her wife right is awesome. We the movie. Yeah. So we, we should point out that the pictures you, you might be seeing on our website. I'm definitely going to post a couple. The podcasting room got hacked, <laughs> and uh, you, don't, you don't need sunglasses to see these. Right. Yeah, I'll definitely put those in there. So before we get started, I do want to mention, since I said go check out the show notes, uh, pavementpodcast.com is the website, and there if you go to the podcast page for this particular episode, in the show notes you will find a number of things, and we'll reference other things that we're going to put there, but the story is, is there, so it should be read. James, do you want to talk a little bit about the story? No, not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not that much talking to do about it, right? I mean, I can Touché. So maybe maybe you, I will. You start it. We'll jump in. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should uh, start talking about the story, and you guys jump in wherever you want to. Um, so I actually reread it this morning. Good on you. Yeah. Um, so the story is it's 
quite similar to what we have in the film, um, where you have somebody who becomes aware that there's some kind of alien conspiracy, that humanity is ruled by alien overlords, and that through some means, humans are hypnotized into not seeing them for what they are. And he becomes aware of this, becomes awake so he can see them, and essentially goes on a mad killing spree trying to overthrow them. And that's, yeah, I think, pretty, pretty much, much the story. More or less. That's, yeah, the whole story. That's right. One interesting thing is, like I said, it's very, very short. And the reason it's very short is because it's very abrupt. I mean, it just, it's almost like you jump in in the middle of a scene. Right. And then go to the end. That's and kind of one of the things I liked about the story, though, is that the, the quick pace, I think. Um, even yeah. though even though it was that short and maybe it might be hard to garnish from it because it's four pages that it was a maybe too quick of a pace. But I, right. think, if, I think it was a fairly quick pace and it keeps you... I think I think interested in our day and age of technology and yeah I think brevity is spans. brevity is underrated, <laughs> uh, which is right. why I don't really like Tolkien anymore. <laughs> Colin and I uh, have discussions about this at various times, but um, I, I'm going to read the the first couple lines of the story just so you know kind of how abrupt it is and how it kind of comes out of nowhere. It says, "At the end of the show, the hypnotist told his subjects awake. Something unusual happened. One of his subjects awoke all the way. So." Right there, right off the bat, you're like, okay, who's the hypnotist? What's going on? And you never really get any idea. Yeah. And right. it's, it's really peripheral to the story. It's now that he is different from everybody else. And in addition to all the you know alien slaying and other things that go on, he kind of makes it his mission to try and wake up everybody else. Right. right. Starting with right. his girlfriend, who he slaps across the face, because that's yes. the way you wake up a... Right. A yeah, we don't recommend that method. <laughs> no. No. Not if you want to keep said girlfriend or significant other, at right. any rate. Or keep your liberty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which actually right. I liked. I kind of liked the... Uh, Slightly different take in the film on that scene, and we'll get to it. The way the short story works, it's kind of the way I like a short story to work. I don't want a lot of preamble. I don't want a lot of world building. I want to just get to the action, have something happen, and end with a cool twist. And this one totally delivers on that. Right. So, to me, it's kind of the perfect short story. Yes. I like that about it, too. So, I never actually looked to see when the short story was published. Does anybody know that off the top of their head? It was published in 1963. Okay. In 1986, it was readapted as in comic book form, and we'll provide you a link to that because it is online. Yeah. Uh, and then just two years later, out pops this movie by John Carpenter. So I'm not sure there's that much more to talk about about the story. Um, there are some differences, and I think we'll kind of talk about some of those as we transition to the film. But the film is the heavy hitter here, right? The film right. is. Let, yeah. Let's brush the comic book or comic strip <clears throat> really quick. Okay. So the comic strip is about two pages. <laughs> you can do a right. whole lot with words or uh, drawings right. that you can't do in words. Sure. Uh, and it's it's pretty much the same. They even cut off more of the beginning, though. You The story starts with him walking down the street, looking at a sign, and looking back at the sign, and it says different things on it. Right, and there's there's a, re, a kind of a, a script over the top that mentions that he had been woken up. Yes, um, yes. Uh, the aliens are not reptilian like in the book. They kind of look they like... They look like the aliens from Galaxy Quest when they're not using their image projector things. Yes. With a bunch right. of tentacles and Multiple big eyes, big eyes and, on, on uh, stems and stuff. Which well, a couple of them has like, like eyes and like an eye that was slanted. One was on the forehead, and the other one was where like the mouth would be. Right, they're they're blobs well, of stuff, as, as Roddy Piper would say, <laughs> formaldehyde face. Formaldehyde right. face is dead on right. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. You were talking about how it starts abruptly, uh, and I love the ending of it because it, it takes that that twist ending mm -hmm. from the book and now readapts it to a visual form. And so you know it says, "In the end." Mm -hmm. Are we going to spoil it? Oh, I think we have to spoil it. Okay, go for it. All right. I'm going to spoil it. You got 12 minutes. Just pause it. Ah, 
Good. You read it. Wise choice. Maybe you visited the comic book online. <laughs> so at the end of the book, at the, excuse me, the book, at the end of the short story, at the end of the comic book, the main character dies. He's told to die by the alien overlords. Right. And that's what happens kind of at the beginning, right? Is he gets a phone call from his supervisor or whatever that says... His controller. Yeah, his controller. Yes. Says, You're an old man. You're going to die or your heart's going to stop at 8 o'clock in the morning. And that's where this, the title comes from. Yes. And you're, you're kind of left with the impression because he's now ignoring all these other hypnotic suggestions mm -hmm. that he's just fine. Right. He hangs up the phone and says, no, it won't. No, I won't. But then, then he, he worries that, no, it still will because he finds himself slightly susceptible to... The suggestion even after that yes so some kind of hypnosis thing going on that he's still has a hard time shaking off but once he kills a few aliens you know that's good for what ails you i guess oh yeah so. right <laughs> well and in the comic book you know it says you know he's he's them as they are and they slowly start to morph back right uh, he ends up killing those people good for him yeah um but yeah at the end of the comic book it shows his face and then it shows his you know his skull with rotting flesh and it mm -hmm. shows his skull and it says and he truly became nada Right. Yeah, because that's that's one thing we didn't mention is that his name in the story is George Nada, which, as we know, means nothing. Right. Right. Which is awesome. So to the movie. Yeah, I think at this point we we should just move right on to the movie, and we'll we'll mention a few things that are different between them yeah. as we do it. Um, but the movie, I mean, it came out when I was in high school, and James was in really diapers. <laughs> um, and Colin, you were probably in high school as well. I, I would have been just out of diapers well. for this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would have been what <laughs> uh, eight. Seven eight. or seven or eight, yeah. yeah. 1988, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it would have been eight. Yeah. yeah. Still in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the anybody, movie. Anybody the movie has a lot of that world building that you're not looking for in a short story. Right. But if you made this, if you made, you know, made my perfect adaptation of the book, this would be a commercial. Okay. Yeah. So, and right. on that note, I do want to talk about, um, and I'm, I'm actually writing up a piece about adapting a short story or generally doing adapt adaptations and making changes and mm -hmm. how it's a it's a good thing. And yeah, if you adapted right. this straight across with the pace that is in the story, yeah, it's it's maybe a commercial maybe maybe like a a segment of Portlandia. Yeah, it's 8 to right. 10 minutes long, yeah. only a horrifying one. Yeah. And <laughs> so if you know, if you're a young, you know, ambitious student and uh, you need a short film to make with limited special effects budget, man, you could not do Better than this, really. I would be shocked if there's not one out there someplace. But, I, you know, I'm going to look, and if I find one, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So, Okay, so back on tack. So, yeah, the, the movie has a bunch of the world building in it because it, it needs to set a stage. Right. And uh, we need a little bit of character development. We need a little bit of history. I'm not sure how they get that from Roddy Piper. No, it, what it does is it sets the atmosphere, right, where it shows him. He's the drifter uh -huh. who comes into town. You can tell he's kind of down on his luck. Right. He tries to find work. He find he fi finds work, finds like day labor, right? And then right. kind of hooks up with, strikes up a friendship with Frank, uh, played by Keith David, yes. who makes everything awesome as far as I can tell. He does. Um, <laughs> and goes back to this sort of homeless commune almost sort of thing. Right. Um, and shanty because, town. Yeah, kind of a shanty town. Yeah. Um, and that's where we sort of get, we get a discussion between them about how America's broken, but not a says, no, no, you know, I believe in America. And then the rest of the events of the movie kind of right. turn that on its head. Yes. Um, I, one thing I want to mention that's, a, that's a, a difference from the film, two things, actually. Um, the aliens are never named. They're not given a name in the movie. In the story, they're called the Fascinators. And I don't know what it means, but it's capital right. F, Fascinators. Fascination is uh, an illusory, has to do with illusion. If, you have been, if you've been fascinated 
you are seeing something often that isn't really there. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah, or you're being which in, makes in, sense. I just didn't, didn't know like the root of that. It's kind of word. being enchanted. I think enchanted is can be a synonym depending okay. on your usage. And, and also, George Nada from the story, he is named Nada in the movie, but we never actually hear anyone call him by his name, and he never tells his name to anyone. So he is just nameless right. drifter, sort of like in that Clint Eastwood movie. Yes. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Yeah, if you, uh, I think if you if you hadn't have read the book or had known the that it was Roddy Piper, you would never know his name because he's not he's only named in the credits. Right. So if you hadn't known it was Roddy Piper to link it to the name, I'm the sure credits, he's credited first. You would have so never you would, noted. You'd, you'd have picked it up. <laughs> yes. But yeah, because it'd been him right. and Keith David, right, and Meg Foster. Too right. I mean, they're kind of the the only three actors that get any significant screen time. Right. So actually, Meg Foster's character is the only uh, character in the movie that has both a. First and last name. Right. So going back to kind of how the adaptation works, right? It, if you went with a faithful adaptation, yeah, it's a 10-minute movie, twenty, maybe, maybe a half hour. Maybe you can milk a half hour out of it. Well, they manage, <laughs> you know, 90 minutes yeah. to get out of it. And the way they do it is the pace is very deliberate at the beginning. And you, you have him walking into town along the train tracks, you know, and you have that, that bass track, the boom, 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 yeah. boom. And it's cool just, bass track, by the way. It is cool, yeah, actually. That and it's cool. actually, that might have been John Carpenter. It was John Carpenter. Uh, he was yeah. on the bass? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Nice. Um, evidently, he does that for a lot of his films. So. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. They actually just won an award for their music, by the way. Really? For yeah. this movie? Mm -hmm. I was unaware of this. Yeah. Um, I, I found, at times, that the music was a little whimsical. Like, like it didn't quite fit with the mood that was going on. <laughs> um, right. But I don't know if he was like, intentionally keeping it light. I expected the movie to be a little scarier, and I didn't find it the least bit scary. Well, so, and just speaking back to your keeping the light with the music, mm -hmm. um, I want to say like that that time in the '80s wasn't a particularly great time for America either, right? Late '80s. Yeah, it was good for some. I mean, I right. <laughs> again, we're we're talking about. I was in high school. I, right. I had no concept. Yeah, I was, of I was really, eight, so I don't know either. Yeah. But. Um, you know, I I have pretty fond memories of the. Right I know within years, that year so. we went to war in the desert. So that was '92. 93. No, no, no. Des no, no, no Desert Storm no, no, no. was, Desert was late Storm 80s. Was late, I think it was 1990, I think, actually. 89, 90. Yeah. You sure? Yes. Um, yeah, but there, there definitely were, and I think John Carpenter wanted to go for that feel, right, of, of drawing a right. distinction between the people who were doing well and the people who weren't, right. and, and saying that the people who were doing well not only didn't deserve to do well, but they were doing it on the backs of right. other people. And it's... Like and in this movie, they're betraying the rest of humankind. Right. But <laughs> but you, you were mentioning that, that I think your wife was saying you could transplant this movie into 2008 and it would right. work. Yeah, know, or, totally. or present day because right. there's that um, kind of Occupy movement right. and the 1% and and the the versus the rest of us. Social sort of classes distinction. And yeah, Anonymous would be doing apparent. the illegal broadcast by hacking into television channels. Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So <laughs> it really could work. And that's so we do need to definitely talk about how a remake would work and what, what we would like right. to see from yeah. that. Well, the movie, like we've been saying, it interjects this idea there's um, a class system in the United States. There's the people that are doing well, and they all happen to be aliens or alien sympathizers or people right. that are just collaborators. Lucky. Yeah. And then most of the rest of the people are the, you know, the downtrodden, the poor, uh, mm -hmm. the underprivileged. Yeah. Uh, they have no rights. They are subjected to police brutality. At one point, uh, it turns out that one of the resistance locations is across the street from the, the homeless camp, mm -hmm. and they're the raided. Right? And as part of the raiding, they, go, they bring in a bunch of bulldozers and, and mow down the homeless camp. So, yeah, a couple differences, right? There's an organized resistance that's already in place. Instead of is, just one guy. Instead of right. just one guy, yeah. Right. And 
so he kind of finds them, and after that raid, that's when he gets a hold of the pair of sunglasses, right? Right. And he we did. have that great scene where he's walking through town, right? And he puts them on, and he sees. I can't remember what he sees first. I think he sees the signs, isn't it? No, the first thing he sees is the um, the sidewalk. There's there's there, there's a difference in the sidewalk because uh, I actually I, I I noticed the difference when I was watching it, but I had to rewind to pay more attention. To yeah, see, see exactly I rewound what the it too, was. and I couldn't. The difference was the color. Okay. Uh, everything is black and white with the sunglasses on, and okay. er- everything's yeah. in color without the sunglasses on. Because in yeah. particular, the sidewalk, the only thing that changes in the sidewalk is the color, because there's the concrete sidewalk with the kind of um, glass cut into it. Right, right. But off to the right of the sidewalk, you'll see a little wooden panel leading into a shop. And okay. the wooden panel is brown, like wood. But when you put in the sunglasses, it turns black and white. Yeah, it's a cool stylistic choice, too. Yeah. Um, and that's to what he goes with. And at that point, he he then starts he stops looking the magazine up and stand, around, right. and he sees the signs, and then the magazine right. stands. And, and the sign the... says, consume, or marry and reproduce. Obey, watch and, TV, sleep. And, and the guy the guy walks up to the magazine stand, and he looks at him, and he's alien, right? right. And he's like, what are you looking at? Yeah. Or what's your problem? So he lifts his sunglasses huh. up. Yeah, and sees that he looks normal, and he puts him back down, and then the, the guy comes over to him and says, look, are you going to buy a magazine or not? And he's holding his hand a wad of money. And printed on the money with the sunglasses on is, this is your God. Yes. Which was kind of an interesting, I mean, it's obvious right. what he's going for right there. It's consumerism and everything wants to sell you something. And I, I, I watched some behind the scenes stuff and that's kind of what he felt like. He turned on television and realized, you know, right. everything that I'm watching is trying to sell me something. Well, and also that I kind of got the theme that television was more of a way to subdue you as well, right? I mean, right. Subdue and, society. And definitely in the in the story... The first thing he does when he gets back to his own apartment is he, he pulls the plug on the TV because he realized mm-hmm. if he watched it too long, it might say, C- keep watching this channel, and right. he would have to keep watching keep it. He watching would, it he would have to way. obey, yeah. even yeah. though he had kind of broken free of the hypnosis. Which is also right out of the story. Right. Only then in the story, it's a more technological thing, right? There's some kind of signal going out that is causing people to not see the aliens for what they are and to right. not see the subliminal messages. In the movie, you mean? In the movie, yeah. In the movie, In the yes. movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I, I kind of... A, took it on to say, you know, it's more like there's a brainwashing. But then if you're being brainwashed, I don't see how the sunglasses make a difference. Right. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it has to be technological rather than psychological in a way. Yeah. And so, you know, I got that why it would work on TV. And mm. I also got why it would work in print. Mm-hmm. But in real life, I didn't understand why it worked. Unless there's something that's projecting that different than those sunglasses allow you to see through it. Sure. Um, by the way, those sunglasses are called Hoffman lenses uh, in the... Uh, in the movie, and you can buy a, a pair of those if you want to see if we're being dominated by alien overlords. <laughs> Just go to Google, search for Hoffman lenses, you'll find them. I, right here, I want to mention the movie cover for this is outstanding. Just the where it shows the reflection in the sunglasses and it shows the alien face. Yes. It's just, right. I mean... I would, Roddy's, a section of Roddy's face there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an outstanding movie poster, which we don't get those anymore. We used no. to. Child of the 80s. Yeah. Awesome I, I need to link, um, <laughs> that I mentioned last time, Good Bad Flicks, which is a YouTube channel that I kind of enjoy, uh-huh. where he'll talk about a movie that's generally considered lousy and talk about why it's actually good. Like he did one for The Fly 2, and I linked that one in the, in the show notes last time. Hmm. But he also did a video recently about what happened to movie posters. And he talks about how they're just all carbon copies. Like the same thing happens over and over. It's these two colors. It's going to be the giant floating heads of the two main leads, you know, um, and how... It used to be a work of art, and now it's not. So there's also the notion that wearing the sunglasses kind of wears him out. It's like a drug almost. But before I get to that, we got to mention right. right. Immediately he puts them on. He goes into the store, and he sees about half the people in the store are aliens, right? Yes. And there's that great scene where the lady runs into him, 
and she's like, excuse me. And, and he looks at her and he's like, you look like you fell into the cheese dip 10 years ago or something. Like, <laughs> it's fell into the cheese w- dip back in 1958. Yeah. It's, oh, it's it be 30 years ago. It's a pretty time. random line. And then, you know, he, then he, he's not at all subtle about it, right? <laughs> no. Like, I take him off. She looks fine. Put him back on. Formaldehyde face. face. It's not exactly high art right. or great acting, but it's awesome. And probably pretty true in character for the guy, right? He's yeah. not supposed to be a sophisticated erudite podcaster like man. we are. He's a working guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's definitely a working man. I just realized that's one of the, the another main difference between the movie and the book or story, I guess. Is that very quickly in the story he realized that he should probably flaunt not flaunt the fact that he knows right. or that he can see them. As opposed to in the movie, he's like, he doesn't give a crap. Well, yeah, in, in the story, he's he thinks he might be racing a clock, right, until 8 o'clock in the morning. And so he, he wants to do as much damage even, as possible. I think even before that, though, he realizes, he's like, I probably shouldn't. Right, because then he thought he could get re-hypnotized. Right, right? Yeah. yeah. Where with the glasses on, you have this technological advantage. So oh, yeah, there's kind of, the resistance. He, we right. know there are more people out there. Right. And and even if the glasses are taken away, he still knows Right, and so he could he right. could kind of guess who was collaborating, who wasn't. So, but he doesn't. She, right? Yeah, actually. Um, so she talks into her little right. uh, Dick Tracy watch. You know, yes. I've got one that can see, and <laughs> and so he gets. I think he ends up getting confronted by cops, who he of course quickly blows away because he's Roddy Piper, and he needs guns. Um, yes, and he needs guns, and so he grabs. He gets the shotgun and the and the handgun. Well, <laughs> he doesn't kill. Well, I was gonna say he doesn't kill any humans. He only kills one human in the entire movie. Which and it's one's Meg that? Ryan's character. Oh yeah, she's the only human that Roddy. Did you say Meg I, Ryan? Meg Foster. I definitely said Meg Ryan. <laughs> I meant Meg Foster. Thank right, you. Right. Right. Uh, spoilers uh, for the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> now, see, that's one thing that I I, I want to mention. Also, this movie is not at all bloody. No. Like, no if no. you read the story, no. I mean, he's going around slitting throats, no blood squids. and beating in somebody's head with a brick. Oh yeah. There's nothing like that in this. Mm, no. So yeah, he so he goes on his little spree. We have that iconic moment where he walks into the bank carrying a handgun and a shotgun. Right. And <laughs> and nobody notices. And he comes in there and says, you know, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. That's when somebody notices him. And then, you know, one of the cops goes full stormtrooper mode and uh, fires at him and misses by like 10 feet. Yes. Right. Yes. No, which I, I need to put in the show notes that um, Imperial Academy shirt. It, says, it has the Imperial Academy logo on it. It says, Imperial Academy, shoot for the moon, miss by a mile. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the typical kind of 80s action movie where, like, Commando, where the bad guys can't hit the broadside of a barn, and the good guy can take a machine gun and just sweep it side to side and hit everybody, right? Yes. So, yeah, he goes on that spree with his shotgun that seems to hold more than six rounds um, and hits people from across the room with it, of course, with pinpoint accuracy and doesn't do and any blows him four or five feet backwards as well. Oh, definitely, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one of the the major changes between the story, the comic book, and the movie is that he does not have. <laughs> James has just Googled what's the maximum effective range for a shotgun, <laughs> uh, and it says the consensus is about forty yards. That's okay, 120 well, you know, feet. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, okay. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you, Colin. Yeah, he doesn't have a fiance in the movie. That role is right. is portrayed by the Meg Foster character. Well, I thought was an improvement actually, because the the the, the girlfriend fiance really. Didn't bring anything to the story other than in the comic book. She brought two things. Yes. Um, hey. But, um, yeah, I, I liked the Meg Foster character. I liked the way they kind of altered that, where he kind of kidnaps her and she drives him to her house. 
Yes. Um, and the, there's that awesome stunt where she knocks him out the window with the, oh, with the wine bottle. That was bottle. pretty rad. Um, evidently, it took her like three or four times to actually get the thing to break. Yes. And it was starting to hurt. Stunt oh, double. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, the thing is, the shot before that, though, does not look convincing like you could throw him through the window. No. You I'm, have to hit somebody pretty hard to put them through a sliding glass yeah, door. Yeah. The, the stuntman got a running start so. to, to go out the window like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's all in the wrist, man. It's all in the wrist. It's all in the wrist? Yeah. Definitely. Now, we can talk about Meg Foster. She has those just freaky incandescent eyes. eyes yeah. Um, like ice blue. And I thought, I, I was mentioning earlier, I thought she was Diana from V. And and so then later in the movie, when it, spoiler alert, turns out she's a bad guy, I was like, well, of course she's a bad guy. It's Diana. But uh, it wasn't her. Nope. So, But I know that right. I, I saw her in a bajillion things when I was a kid. And I think she normally played a bad guy. So it turns out, though, that she works at a television station. Yeah, Cable and, 54. Right. And I think, I'm surprised. I kind of expected at that point for him to go, can you take me to your reader? No, I mean, can you take me to your television station because I want to get on there and, and make a broadcast or something. Yes. And that, that would have brought it around kind of to be like the story. But I guess it does sort of end that way, right? I don't, did he, I don't think he knew it was coming through the broadcast at the, at the time. She no. Told him, oh, she told him they were broadcasting something from there? No, she told him that, that she worked there, but not that they were okay. broadcasting something. Right, she told him they worked right. there, but, but I'm thinking, because later in the movie, she when they when they see her at the resistance meeting, mm-hmm. she says out straight out there, like, oh, there's no broadcast coming from Cable 54. Right. 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 And it turns out it is, but we also find out that she's a collaborator, so. Right. So we got to move along. So she knocks him out the window, right? Yeah. And he, he goes back to the resistance where she conveniently, conveniently shows up. Um, and vouches for him, which is actually, the part I just talked about. <laughs> right, right. Um, did we get the fight in between there, or was that after? It's after. It's, it's, it's after, after she throws him out yeah. the door, yeah. but before he goes to the meeting. Okay, right. so that's another iconic moment, right, where right. he goes to Frank and tells him, look, you got to put these sunglasses on, and he just wants nothing to do with him because right. he's heard that he's gone on a shooting spree or something. Yeah, put these sunglasses there. on or eat that trash can. Yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses... Or start eating that trash can. Um, that, that fight scene, I mean, it's like five <laughs> minutes long. It's five just minutes relentless. and 20 seconds. It and was supposed to be 20 seconds originally. Right. From from what I read, they, they, they kept kind of adding to it, and, mm-hmm. and they, they put in some pro wrestling moves because Roddy yep. Piper. Right. And, and Actually, it turns really out they well. actually, like, the only part where they didn't pull their punches was the headshots and groin shots. Everything else, though. You mean where they did pull their punches? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah, so did, Keith David's so. really punching him yeah. in the guts. And you right. can see a couple times where they're yeah. not quite going But you could totally out. tell when the headshots that they weren't punching yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, totally. And, <laughs> but I love that scene where Keith David just goes in there with the multiple groin shot in the oh, <laughs> laying down gnarly. position. So yeah. awesome. But, and Colin, you had mentioned that there's a kind of a shot-for-shot reenactment on from South Park. Yes. Um, right. Yeah. Cripple fight. In the cripple fight episode, yeah. you can go and they do it shot for shot. <laughs> yeah. I tried to find a YouTube link for it and couldn't. I don't know if they've done the full five and a half minutes of it. I found one that was intercut with the two. Oh, so sweet. it's the cripple fight cut in with the, the they live fight. Ooh, so nice. I'll have to put that in the show. Yeah, link notes. that yeah. one instead. That'd yeah. be awesome. Oh, I also want to mention the uh, there's an IT crowd riff on the chew bubble gum thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh right. Yes. Did you did I send you that one? Yeah. The, I, you know, well, I remember it from. I've I come watched, here. I watched that episode. To drink milk and kick ass. And I've just finished my milk. So, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll put awesome. a link to that one there. Um, so, evidently, the stunt coordinator, fight coordinator guy named Jeff Imada, uh-huh. um, this kind of little Asian dude, I'm imagining Japanese with a name like Imada, but um, evidently he played most of the aliens. He was a little guy, and so like even, even the lady huh. in the store 
played by Jeff Imada. Wig. Yeah, wig and you know the makeup. So wow, but right. makeup. The makeup to make him look like a. Oh yeah, you don't mean like eyeshadow and lipstick because I'm like, how could you tell no. anyway? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The alien actually, you know, it looked like a mask. It the, did. The, the way the way they moved. He's a little cheesy. Yeah, not yeah. a lot of mouth movement, eyes that don't track. Uh, but on Is the it other me hand, or do all those uh, aliens kind of look like Skeletor? <laughs> indeed. Yes. All yes. Right. As opposed to the reptilians from the short story or the blobs of meat from the comic strip. Yeah. Um, so going back to the, the fight, my favorite moment in it is when he picks up the two by four and knocks the windshield out of Frank's car. And, and then he just kind of laughs. And I, I was, I just wondered, was that not supposed to be in there? The laugh part oh. um, is just kind of unscripted and, <laughs> and it's like that an the, outtake almost. Most of that fight was ad-libbed. I'd say not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that that fight scene is, I mean, it's worth the whole movie. Right. And Easily. like like we mentioned, right? It's a short short story and a full length film, so you had to kind of put padding in where you wanted to. And I fully approve of putting in a five minute fight scene. Yes, because right. how many how many shot how many scenes are you going to have fighting aliens and shooting and killing them for little to no effect? Right. So there are a couple of other big differences about the movie you haven't mm-hmm. touched on yet that, that happened more at the end. Right. Uh, we talked about you know Meg Foster being a collaborator. Mm-hmm. We did not talk about one of my personal gripes, and that is he did not die at 8 a.m. It would have been trivially easy to make this happen. Just you know, it should not look in the like, middle of the night. Not in the middle True. of the night. It should look like morning. Yeah. It would have a nice throwback to the book. Yeah, I I don't really have a problem with that. Um, uh, they could have made it 8 p.m. Well, and at showed least, his at watch. least he died. I mean, yeah, he that. did die. Yeah. He did die. So you know there will be no sequels. Right. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. never underestimate Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood. Uh, we, we didn't. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about the signal and the technology. I, I found it odd that you know there's a cable television station and you destroy the antenna to block the signal that everyone's <laughs> seeing. Right. Um, I thought it might have been a cool mix in if maybe he'd try to put sunglasses on one of the cameras. Oh, right. Because we let, know that let works. Let the world see it. Yeah. Let the world see it, and that's yeah. straight out of the movie and the book. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, he can't just in the in the story he wakes everybody up by killing the guy who's broadcasting the "We're your friends, trust us" message, yes. and then and then just imitating his voice. But since they see right. his image, that's all it takes to wake everyone up. Yep. So yeah, that's where I think in the in the book the the fascinators were emanating something. Yeah. Uh, well, it had to be something a frequency, I guess, to be visible and transmitted through television, right? Yeah. I, I was mean, gonna say at first it could have been like a pheromone or something, but that wouldn't go through. Yeah, television it could have just been a psionic <laughs> power kind of thing. Right. That, that was big in the eighties, I think. So the fact yeah. that he was moving his face and imitating his voice and that actually worked mm-hmm. means that it was, had to be something organic emanating from them. Right. Right. So as opposed to the movie where technology. They, sh- they should have recorded the voice and rebuilt an alien from the sound <laughs> recording. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, reference back to Farewell to the Master. Thank Very you. nice. Thank you. Well done. Nice. And nobody will get that unless well listen to all sir. four episodes, which is Emily will get it. Emily will yes. get it. So, um, in case there's any doubt that this is a mess, kind of an anti Reagan message, um, when Nada origin- originally sees the alien on TV giving a speech Are you at a political that Reagan rally. looks like Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's giving a speech, and he he uses the words "morning in America," which is a total reference oh, to right. I think like Reagan's inaugural address, uh, his first one, or I I can't remember which one it is. But if you mm. if you look up "morning in America," it will come up with links about Reagan. So. Okay, you know the movie was a success. It, it was, a, but it was pretty short lived. The success was. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a financial success. It mm-hmm. has an eighty eight percent approval rating 
at Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Uh, it's got a 70% rating at IMDb. Yeah, I think they said that it uh, was number one at the box office for two weeks in a row, and then it kind of dropped off the map. And, and John Carpenter oh, wow. is a little conspiracy theory about it. Um, <laughs> he thinks that it displeased the, the, the overlords. Displeased the overlords. Yeah. The Which, alien you know, overlords. It could be. So I love the... Um, when they're, when they're going through... The, like, Frank and Nada show up at the TV station heavily armed mm -hmm. and again hardly anybody notices right and then they they eventually start blowing everybody away right and there's this continuous i think it was a fairly low budget for the movie because there's the same shot of the of the gun barrel twitching oh, up right, and down yeah, yeah, just over funny. and over and he's got that an totally m16 reminded me of like um uh doom or something like that like first person shooter game yeah just, and it's like twitching yeah totally and, and totally he's, matched that air, right? He's got an M16 with one <laughs> clip, and it lasts like 200 rounds. Right. Oh, um, yeah. I was you, you actually gotta... surprised when he ran out of ammo. They had the infinite ammo cheat, dude. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they had God mode on. Yes. Um, well, until What's-Your-Face blew a Frank away. Right. That was brutal. Yeah, that was... That Temple was, shot. Yeah. Boom. That was pretty cool. I wonder if they edited the original shot out, where he was like on screen when she shot him, and mm -hmm. had to cut oh, it back maybe. to try and keep their rating. Yeah, it could be. Okay, so I, I think we've pretty much... Yeah. done as much as we can for the movie we can maybe talk a little bit about more some trivia or a few things but um i've got trivia we got a, yeah we oh, got, I got one more one more thing okay i guess in that case all right go the weapons it. they mm -hmm. should have had like some sort of crazy futuristic weapons in that movie oh, oh they they had aliens had aliens, it we don't right? yeah well they did mention well, yeah so they, they had the, the advanced dart gun in the in the right. book they had the little advanced the dart gun in the in the short story and the and the comic strip well, and they've got the little tunnel system that you can access with your wristwatch too. That's true. Right. That's true. But they didn't have any cool. And they had the, the the cool transport system that looked like the thing from Galaxy Quest. That's true. Um, yeah. That's totally what it and reminded that, me. That of. is something nice. They gave us some backstory on the aliens right. toward the end of the movie. Um, they were from Andromeda. Andromeda. Yeah. And which, they were here to make right. money. Really and, narrows it down, right? Yeah. They're from Andromeda. All of it, obviously. We're from yeah, the they're from all of it. Having taken over Andromeda, what do you do? You go next door to the Milky Way. And... Do you know Bill? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they were here to steal our resources or harvest our resources, right? Well, to exploit us, exploit. Uh, which yeah. is different because in in the story, right, they're eating us, and so the messages right. are all marry and reproduce, right. not ra rather than consume. Mm, it's true. it's produce more babies because they're right. delicious because yeah. we're well, hungry. I mean, in essence, they're still exploiting us for food. sure, but in the book or a movie, exploiting us for other things as well. Oh, one quick quote from Mr. Carpenter. So here, let me read this from Wikipedia. Carpenter's on record as attributing the film's initial commercial failure to the hypothesis that those who go to the movies in vast numbers these days don't want to be enlightened. Kind of hearkening back to the thing we talked about originally, right? This was really about class struggle. Right. Yeah. And then there was a, uh, a documentary film in 2013 called The Pervert's Guide to Ide Ideology. Uh, and this is the quote from that. They Live is definitely one of the forgotten masterpieces of the Hollywood left. The sunglasses function like a critique of ideology. They allow you to see the real message beneath all the propaganda, glitz posters, and so on. When you put the sunglasses on, you see the dictatorship and democracy, the invisible order which sustains your apparent freedom and gives you a crushing headache. Nice. Yeah, a good, good reference with the headache, too. Yeah. All right, James, you had something. Had a, the the contact lenses, though, they don't give you a headache. On, I had an observation of the movie that I wanted to see if any of you guys noticed. Okay. All right, bring it. So did you guys notice in the movie that uh, Roddy Piper had a wedding ring on? I did, yes. Do you ever figure out why? Uh, well, he was married. Right. And he still is. He's been married for he's like 31 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the thing that got me, though, is in the movie, it, well, first of all, it appeared that he had no wife or children or right. anywhere, right? And he had never explicitly mentions that he was mm -hmm. married in the movie. Yeah. So I got it on him. I was like, why is he wearing a wedding ring in this movie? Right. Yeah, it's it's 
it raises the question, right? right? And it, it turns out, because I did look it up because I was curious, mm-hmm. it turns out he refused to take off his wedding band for the movie because yeah. he was married at the time. Mm-hmm. And still That's is. cool. Yeah, he still yeah. is. So, but, and by the way, we should mention that, that Roddy Piper actually lives in Washington County, as far as we yeah. can tell. Um, which is, you know, just down the road. I mean, right. we're, we're in Washington County, right? Yeah. So I actually shot him an email and hoped that yeah. he would respond to it. I didn't ask him for anything. I just wanted to say, hey, you're awesome. We love the movie. Right. Um, I did some Wikipedia stalking and found out that his uh, son actually fights in the Portland mixed martial arts. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and he has a podcast. So maybe I'll put a link to his podcast in there. Yeah. It's the Rodcast. Well, yes. Rodcast. Which is awesome. <laughs> it's, yes. it's the Piper's Pit podcast, which is a mouthful. I think like Viper's Pit, maybe. No, Piper's Pit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a reference back to those wrestling days. Sure. Sure. Why not? Okay, uh, I'm not sure we have anything else to say. No, this was kind of a quick movie. one. Yeah, quick one. Uh, short, short, short story. Short, short story, short comic. Movie or good. James didn't go for that's what she said, even when you said this is kind no. of a quick one. I, you're off yeah. your game, man. That's what she said. There okay. we go. Um, so why don't we rank them? Uh, Colin, you want to go first? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's you know, it's a, it's a quick ranking them, right? It's one, wait, which wait, one so did you like better? Are we ranking the story, the comic, and the movie? Sure. Why don't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of like them all the same. They're, they're individual yeah. things which I like better. I like the ending of the comic better just because it shows him dying. Right. Uh, I don't like that he didn't die at 8, o- 8 a.m. in the movie. Sure. Um, I like the expanded storyline about it, though. Mm-hmm. I like Meg Foster throwing him out a window because yeah. she's this little little <laughs> right. wave of a thing going clash. Yeah. And uh-huh. he goes. And I like the, like the short story because, just like you were saying, right, it just gets right down to business and it has mm-hmm. this awesome concept. It ha- stays true to the concept. There's no extra fluff. It, it Goes in there and it gets done mm-hmm. and has an incredible twist. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of inclined to to rank the story first, but then the bubblegum line and the fight. I just, li- it, all right. It's really, really hard I'll, I'll for give me. In. Movie, so. movie, comic story, but okay. but closely packed. I'm gonna go right. movie story comic. Yeah, movie story comic. The the, the comic I, I didn't feel really added that much to it other than boobs. Yeah, but although True. that was in the movie, actually, we should mention that content the warning. There, there, yeah. there are. Bare bosoms at the very, very end for no apparent reason. About the last ten seconds. Of yeah, the I mean it's it's boobs put in for comedy, right? Essentially, at the end, which yeah. I didn't get. Hmm. I mean, this movie did not actually have to be when you, when you really look at it without the boobs and take out right. a handful of swear words, <laughs> and this is a PG thirteen movie. Oh, easily. What yeah. was it rated? It was R. It was an R. Yeah, I mean, it, it had it had three or four f bombs in it, and that's huh. that's all it took back then. Wow. Yeah, and, and then okay. the boobs. Because I, I remember, like you were saying earlier, no blood. No, yeah, I mean, well, okay, so James, go ahead and rank them, and then oh, we'll, right. then we'll uh, talk about remake. Yeah, I'll have to go with Seth on that movie, short story, comic. Okay, so, but like Colin said, tightly ordered because yeah, they're yeah, all awesome. it, it's 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 like they're all tied for first, right? Um, but you know, since I've been putting them in bullet form, it's going to show right. up. How we did it. Um, remake. Remake. Yeah. What What do you want to see from it? Weapons. You want you want to see alien weapons? weapons. I want to okay. see alien weapons. James wants bigger guns. I want bigger guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to die at eight a.m. You. <laughs> he has to die. So you want to go closer to the short story? I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. No. Granted, it, maybe it's a nitpick, but it would have been trivial to throw in. And who knew that it was adopted from a short story? Right. right. So. Let me ask you this. Oh, oh. Do you want it more of a movie remake or a readaptation of the story? What's... So, for instance, like The Day the Earth Stood Still, right? The 2008 movie is a remake of the movie. does not go back to the original source. Right. So, with this one, do you, would you rather see the movie remade or would you rather see the story readapted? Oh. See, the thing I'd be worried about the remake is if some... Dude, making all those same corny one-liners that Roddy Piper did. Right. Yeah. Who would you pick for that? At all? I'm not sure who who you'd go with now. John Cena. 
<laughs> Ten years out of Donald Arnold, but not anymore. <laughs> Terry Crews could totally pull it off, and he could do all the lines. Um, from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, he's hilarious. Um, he was in the Expendables movies too. Uh, he was the guy with the shotgun uh, machine shotgun. Okay, um, automatic shotgun. Those things are awesome. Would you want to see? Would you want it to be glasses or hypnotism? Hypnotism. I, see, I I'm not. I'm not sure you can pull yeah. off showing. I mean, you have to be POV, right, in order to see what he saw. The glasses gave you an easy right. way to transition between what was real and what was. And hypnotized. you got the really cool signs and all that stuff. But oh, we have a CGI awesome. now. <laughs> it's true. Which you really didn't. Have. I mean, you could shoot against a green screen, but the amount of green screen I think you would have needed back then would have been mm. huge. Right now, right. you could have somebody be hypnotized and hypnotized. You could have their vision waver. Sure. And you could make the aliens awesome. Yes, you could. Um, yeah, and so I think right. a remake could be good, but I, I don't think re-adapt. I don't. I, yeah, I think I'd want to readapt it rather than. I don't think you can remake this movie and have it taken seriously. No. Uh, what what I want to see is a readaptation yeah. of the story. Stick a little closer to it. You do have to answer a couple questions. Where do the aliens come from? And that's what this does. Yes, it's, um, I'm thinking you know. for like a remake, they probably could go into like a family or this guy and somebody went to, like, say a county. Also. I think I like a county fair where they do the whole hypnotist shows, right? Sure. And maybe the guy doing the hypnotist show is an alien. All of a sudden, bam, he wakes up like, oops, Holy crap. <laughs> I'm so fired. <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I would want to see, though, even if it was a readaptation, you, you want some nods to the original. And so I'd like to like the main character should at some point. So you want find... a cripple fight in the remake. <laughs> <laughs> some, I wouldn't mind a knockdown drag out fight in it. But, though I don't think th- that's one of those things I'm like, you're going to fail at every level if you try and do that again. Right. No, yeah. yeah. No, but I but would... I want to, at some point, somebody's got to find a pair of sunglasses and put them on and then oh, nothing happened. Cool. That's, that's what, that's what <laughs> that I would want to see. Funny. Or yeah. even, or he could put them on and look at somebody and there should be a shock on his face and he should lift sunglasses up and go, I haven't seen you since high school. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> so I, what you're saying is it should be a comedy. Right. Uh, this is a comedy. It, it would I just be, wouldn't it want I'm here to emulate Rowdy Roddy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I wouldn't want that at all. No, no, no. 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 It's got to be somebody with his horrible. own style. Right. And, and I, if they bring I, in environmental messages, they should take them out. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's probably the way. It would, I, although, like you said, I mean, the, the consumerism message, yeah. it, it totally is transferable. If they, took does, those same, if they took those same messages, though, the science, I thought the... The consumerist message and the, this, the signs, mm-hmm. the way they did it was awesome in the movie. It was cool. It and, was. And I'm definitely going to have to post a couple <laughs> pictures of your room here. Yes, and the way we got hacked. <laughs> well, let, let's just read a couple of the, of the messages. Make babies. Procreate. Your wife is the greatest good. I oh, know. Wait, wait. That's that's not from They Live. That is from Incredibles. From Incredibles. Yes. So yes. loving her on that. Yes. Um, your, your wife, wife is, is always right. right. That, yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> we all know that one, right? Yes. Um, uh, obey your wife. Okay. So I think we should probably wrap it up here and mention what we're going to do next time. And I have talked to James about this, and I haven't talked to you. We, you we got we got a suggestion for a topic to do from someone named Leo. Oh, no, you mailed me about that. Yeah, I, ma- I mailed you about it, and, and what he wanted us to do was Timeline. He hasn't read... Actually, he said he's never read the book, Oh, um, and he's only seen the movie, and I told him I didn't relish the idea of seeing the film again, but I think it's on Netflix right now. It is. Um, and so okay. I went ahead and got the book, and what I'm going to suggest we do is we've already talked about doing Odd Thomas, since we've already read the book, or we'll watch the movie, and we'll get on that one for our next episode. Okay. But for the one after that, I think it's totally doable for us all to read Timeline and slot that in ahead of Day of the Triffids, since James is never going to finish that book. Right. And timelines so, are fairly quick read, in my opinion. It's like 500 pages almost. But, yeah, I still um, found it a quick but read. But it's chewy. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, objections? None. Okay. No. So, why don't we go ahead and say we're going to do that, just for the sake of somebody who 
Send us a suggestion. And by the way... So quick summary, Odd Thomas, then Timeline. Yes, Odd Thomas for our next episode, and then for the one following that, Timeline by Michael Crichton. So Works that, for me. that is the plan, and then we'll figure out what we're doing after that. And if you would like to send us a suggestion, you can send us that at feedback at pavementpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, just search for Pavement Pounders Podcast, or facebook.com slash pavementpodcast, and... Actually, if you just go to the website, all our social media stuff is there. It's clickable, so find us any way you want to. We are actively searching for suggestions. So if you if you hit us through any of those ways, we will find it. So for next time, so the the thing to do is if you're listening to this now, uh, you probably don't have time to read Odd Thomas and watch the movie before we do. But maybe you've already read Odd Thomas. Maybe you've seen the movie, and if you'd like to send us any of your thoughts on that, then send them with the aforementioned links and we will actually probably get back to you even. Uh, I think it's time to sign off. It is. So we will sign off with the Pavement Pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Thank you for listening. Bye. And we're live. Dun, dun, dun. So, sorry. Sorry about that. It figures it would be something like this. Along with the short story on what it... On what, yeah, yeah. You know... You look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. Absolutely. All cardboard cut, cardboard cutouts now are like... You know what you need? You need a Brazilian plastic surgeon. I mean, he like has the power of inconspicuous, <laughs> in, in, inconspicuousness. I don't like this one bit. Not one bit. Send them with the aforementioned links. That's like pouring perfume on a pig.